The United States has been avoiding using the word ceasefire during UN votes on the war between Israel and Hamas, but they're using tougher language now. The US has proposed a draft resolution at the UN Security Council calling for a temporary ceasefire as soon as feasible. Now, the United States resolution also opposes Israel's plans to attack the overcrowded city of Rafah. It says the assault would harm civilians and push them into neighboring countries. And it's not clear when or if the text will be put to a vote, but either way, it still intends to veto another measure calling for an immediate pause to the fighting. Well, let's get more from our correspondent Jenny Hill, who is in Jerusalem for us. Jenny, what more do we know about this U.S. resolution? Well, we know that it warns against, as you say, that planned ground offensive in the southern city of Rafah, saying that such a move on the part of Israel could threaten the peace and security of the region. Um, <sighs> The U.S. is Israel's closest ally, but we have seen in recent days and weeks a real shift in tone and language, and it looks as though the Biden administration is starting to run out of patience as Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, continues to defiantly um, oppose, ignore international calls for restraint in his military operation in Gaza, launched, of course, in uh, response to those October 7th attacks. Now, look, he's insisted that he has to go into Rafah, where he says there are still battalions of Hamas fighters. Just yesterday, the Israeli government said that if Hamas doesn't return all Israeli hostages within the next three weeks, it will go ahead with that offensive. And that seems to have really prompted a bit of a flurry of international efforts to try to get Israel to rethink its strategy, try to calm this situation down. Just yesterday, um, all but one of the EU's member states issued a formal statement um, calling for an immediate humanitarian pause in fighting. And we learned this morning that reportedly the US's top Middle East advisor is due to travel to the region to hold talks in both Egypt and Israel. In the meantime, of course, there are more than a million displaced Palestinian civilians in, uh, in Rafah city, living in tented accommodation in conditions which are described as really very unpleasant indeed. And all they can do is watch and wait to see what kind of deal the international community might be able to thrash out with Israel. And Jenny, that's pressure from a staunch ally. Mr Netanyahu who's also facing pressure at home, isn't he, when it comes to the economy and, and calls for an early election? Yeah, I mean, Mr Netanyahu has got by, if you like, um, for a very long time um, on a reputation as the defender of Israel's security, Mr. Security. That reputation has crumbled. Um, he is in a coalition government. He's held up, in effect, by some coalition partners who are very hardline, very right-wing. They don't want to see any kind of peace deal, really. In fact, if anything, they'd like to see all Palestinians moved out of, of this country. Um, so he himself is in a pretty precarious position politically and that is why I think it's one of the reasons certainly that we see him taking such a defiant stance you know just yesterday here in Jerusalem there were protests women protesting about the Israeli government's approach to trying to get its hostages home so yeah he, he faces an uneasy situation here but it's the international pressure now which I think will claim his attention All right Jenny thank you so much for that well, speaking of international pressure, meanwhile, at the International Court of Justice, it's on its second day of public hearings to decide the legality of Israel's occupation of Palestinian territories.
Now, South Africa and Saudi Arabia are among the countries to address it. Yesterday, the UN's top court heard from the Palestinian delegation. Israel has declined to take part. So let's speak to our correspondent, Anna Holligan, who is at The Hague for us. Uh, Anna, thank you for your time. What did we hear from the Palestinian foreign minister? Uh, well, there were some emotional testimonies yesterday. We heard from uh, the Palestinian Authority's representative to the UN. His voice was breaking as he asked the judges here, what does international justice mean to the children of Gaza today? It hasn't protected their lives or limbs, their hopes or homes. We also heard from the uh, international lawyer, Philippe Sands, who said the great hall inside the Peace Palace, home to the International Court of Justice, was not starry-eyed about the potential for international justice and yet he said this is all we have and he told me after the hearing that he believes an advisory opinion from this court the UN's highest court could help to set the parameters for a negotiated settlement in the future and Anna given that Israel has rejected the court's jurisdiction on the matter what can the Palestinians truly hope for here you're absolutely right. Um, Israel has rejected this court's jurisdiction over its occupation of the West Bank, and yet it has submitted a five-page document in which it says it believes this case is harmful to efforts to achieve a peaceful resolution uh, because the question posed by the UN Gen General Assembly is actually prejudiced. However, over the next five days, six days in total, a record 51 countries taking part We'll start to get some insight into how different countries' positions may be shifting in line with or in response to what's happening in Gaza, in Rafah today. And then it will probably take about six months for this court to issue its advisory opinion. These advisory opinions are not legally binding, but they do carry a huge amount of political weight. So could indeed have some influence over the future trajectory of this conflict.